Welcome to the No Homo Podcast. This is, <laughs> this is Dean MacArthur, and it's Mike Yerksa here, <laughs> and Adam Ferraro in the corner. Um, so we'd originally planned to do um, a podcast just about with we gave ourselves the topic of winter, um, and uh, this is going to be about winter, but when uh, but in light of the news um, about non-Canadian same-sex marriage, uh, we felt like we had to touch on that because I think we're all a little weirded out by it, and also just sort of uh, trying to figure out what it means exactly. So we're calling this initial part of the podcast the winter of our discontent, because <laughs> we're not content about this news. It's pretty horrifying to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that just goes to show, you know, like, that there is, you know, there's personal implications to this, and it's not, you know, this is not just about... Um, um, what Stephen Harper thinks, and it's not about what um, the lawyer who put through this legislation thinks, and it's not about what the justice minister what the justice minister says. It's um, you know this is about uh, gay people that have come to Canada thinking they're getting married, and then it turns out, whoops, no, you're not. <laughs> not so maybe, but maybe you are. But maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you just recap, sort of Cole's notes wise? what went down over the past... I mean, this is this has just come to light within the past 48 hours of us recording this podcast. Uh, so I just want to sort of take, you know, almost do a, a quick little point-by-point point breakdown of what, what happened. Mm-hmm. So essentially, um, a couple, a lesbian couple, uh, from both the UK, one, one's from the UK and the other's from Florida, um, tried to obtain a divorce uh, in Canada, where they were married a few years ago, um, and they were met with the fact, according to certain administrative uh, policymakers in the government, that they were not actually legally married in this country, where many other Americans and Europeans and um, people from around the world come to get married. Um, and so they were met with this fact after they had been thought to have been married for the past five years. Um, and so they were left kind of in the dark. And this kind of trickled uh, down stateside uh, and then overseas. And people were suddenly waking up to realize that the person they had married a few years ago was now their divorcee, I guess. So, um, well, not, not even, even not, divorcee. Not, they, were not, no, they were nothing. They were, they were uh, just their partner. Their partner. Um, and so I guess this is the, uh, one of the, the most recent occasion where Canadians kind of reflected, um, from the people we've met, I guess, over the course of the last little, little bit, uh, and were absolutely shocked at the fact that all this progress we made in marriage equality was kind of taken back and we were now where we were in 2004 again. Um, well, I think the thing that people love about Canada and what about, I, I have dual citizenship, I'm half American, half Canadian. So I think the one thing that I, why I love Canada so much and why I remain here, even though I sort of work in, in the entertainment industry and I feel like it's maybe better to go to the States is that I love sort of what Canada stands for fundamentally. And I love the fact that, you know, you can, you know, that there is such strong marriage equality here. And, you know, I think we're sort of the chilled out cousin um, who, who you know, maybe loves smoking a little bit of weed <laughs> and doesn't take themselves too seriously and has a good sense of humor. That's what I love about Canada and especially sort of fundamentally what they stand for in terms of equality and in terms of gay rights. And so I think that that's one of the most horrifying things for people is that, you know, they woke up yesterday morning, I guess it was, uh, or this morning to find out that, um, you know, what they thought what they knew of Canada in terms of this great, you know, leader of, of, um, 
you know, LGBT rights in the world wasn't, wasn't what they thought. It was pretty jarring, I think, for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then under the umbrella of the wonder of our discontent, <laughs> um, there's also been some unfortunate remarks, well, not unfortunate, expected, <laughs> expected and remarks. totally, totally on message, um, statements from the Vatican about, uh, the Pope thinks. It's almost humorous talking about this. But what it actually is a bit. But so the Pope, the, the Pope said that gay marriage is going to is is part of what was the exact word. Well, that, what what he was reiterating and what he wants kind of the world to understand is that um, you you don't hate or you don't disapprove of gay people. You disapprove of the actions, the sin itself, um, which he claims to be a threat to humanity. Um, in a for one of the reasons because it has an effect on the population. And in a world of over six billion people, I don't really see two guys touching each other <laughs> a threat to the global population. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a threat to the religious teachings. Um, but once again, that's all based on if you subscribe. Does that? Do you think that that? Um, do you think that that hits home harder for you as a Catholic Italian? <laughs> Bringing it back. Uh, <laughs> Well, it, Adam, because <laughs> Adam is Italian. You can't. Um, <laughs> Sounds Italian. I don't know if I sound Italian, um, but it would not necessarily for me. Like, there's obvious implications for people growing up in, in a in a Roman Catholic uh, devout family um, all over the world, um, and I think having your religious leader expect that you know you are going to be continuing on a life of sin based on something that is really a part of who you are um, will definitely take a toll on, on youth and people who want to practice Catholicism, but who are also gay. Um, you know, if, if that's a statement that he's making and then he's making another statement sort of about homosexual acts are, you know, completely against family and against the, the future of humanity. It's just, it's, it's just laughable. It's sort of like this person's irresponsible. He just doesn't get it. And, you know, there's enough, there's enough things to be said about how fucked up that church is to begin with, so we won't even go there. But I don't know when it, when that when I read that comment, I just thought like, okay, you know, that's great. <laughs> S- Saturday Night Live will have make a funny like yeah, weekend yeah. update yeah. sketch about yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so welcome to winter of 2012. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Pope hates you. And you're maybe not married, <laughs> and um, we are not content. Yeah. Well, the first little part of this. Okay. Um, so our, the, the, the original idea for today's, uh, podcast was to talk about winter. So, uh, maybe we can each talk about, um, how we interpreted that and who we reached out to, to talk about winterish things. Adam, would you like to start? So I, uh, had the privilege of interviewing, um, a gay man from Yukon, which is in the Northwest Territories of Canada. So it is very cold, very wintry, uh, and it's in the Northwest part of the country. Um, and he kind of took me through what his experience like was coming out, um, what it's like to be gay in a population of, uh, 23,000 or so, uh, and what gay life is like in the How old is he? he is a 24, he's 24 years old. Yeah. So in his early twenties, mm-hmm. I was really interested in, um, exploring something I, I had heard of a couple years ago called Winter Pride. Um, basically, it's one of the only events I've ever heard of that where you celebrate, you know, you have a Pride week, 
um, that's entirely devoted to the season of winter. So I was able to talk to um, the current director of um, Whistler. It's called Gay Whistler or... uh, or Pride Whistler. Um, his name is Dean Nelson. So I was able to talk to him about the upcoming event, which is running early February, and he really made me want to go. So if I wasn't broke right now, I'd be on a plane. I will probably be on a plane in 2013 to, that, gay, to gay Whistler. That being said, Gay Whistler, if you're listening, the three of us will be even more than <laughs> on your budget. So This is Gay Whistler podcast. <laughs> we'll talk about you if you pay for our flight. Um, and I inter- uh, winter to me is all about high branding. So I interviewed um, one of my favorite television writers whose name is Richard Lawson. He used to write for Gawker. Um, and uh, he has, I think, impeccable television taste. So we talked about what to watch in 2012 while you're avoiding going outside. Um, Dean, what would you watch in 2012? Avoiding. I will watch everything. <laughs> 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 Every single Real Housewives they can throw at me. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that's pretty much it. So that's what we've got in store for you. Enjoy. So I'm here with Matthew. Matt, what do you prefer? Matt, Matt's Matt, good. Matt's good. So Matt, uh, why don't you tell the listeners where you are from? Well, um, I'm a born and raised Yukoner. Pretty much. For right? the Americans, where's the Yukon? Uh, the Yukon is up. Um, it's in the northwest of Canada, right borders Alaska, actually. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty far up there. Uh, so why don't you kind of explain what it's like, what what it was like coming out in the Yukon? Well, okay, I, I didn't actually come out in the Yukon, but I was going to school down south, and <laughs> I was at a house party, and I came out to a couple friends at the house party, and uh, it was kind of awkward, I guess, because I <laughs> ended up taking this girl home just for one last hurrah, I guess, to make sure if it was <laughs> actually what I wanted, and yeah, no, that didn't work out, so here I am today. How far did you get? Second base? Like, what was it? Uh, just a hand job. So the hand job was the deciding factor in you coming out. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so when you said you came out down south, uh, where exactly, like, where where did you come out? Well, uh, precisely, <laughs> no, um, I was living in Hamilton, Ontario at the time. I was doing my undergrad at McMaster University. And um, so after coming out uh, in, in Hamilton at university, did you, how, how long before you went back home and decided to come out? It was definitely a few months, like, and I hadn't told anyone at home about, I guess, me coming out before I went home. It was kind of a, I don't know, I guess, I guess at that point I came home and it was something I was going to do then and do it upright. And what was the reaction generally? Like, was it a more positive one or did people have the reservations? Did you get any negative feedback, I guess? <laughs> uh, I guess for the most part, it was pretty positive. There were a few people, one in particular that was... I guess I guess she was just kind of weirded out by it. Like I don't think she had ever really had any contact with a gay person before, and it was just kind of weird for her. I was one of her best friends, and she had no idea apparently. <laughs> and um, so I I personally have never been to the Yukon. Uh, so if I were to go there, like what is it like to be gay in the Yukon? Like what would I do? Well, I guess you just have to. 
I don't know. There's there's not many gay boys up there. Like it's not like you'd be going up to the, some gay mecca of Canada. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty dry up there for us gay boys. But I don't know. There's a pretty big lesbian population up there. The girls seem to love white uh-huh. horse. So, but uh, there's no no men. No man. <laughs> You're the, the lonely gay. You I'm, the, I'm, I'm the lone ranger of Whitehorse. <laughs> um, so what? So, uh, what would I do in the Yukon as like as a gay person? Like, are there bars? Um, no, there's no gay bars. So how would you go about meeting someone then? It's pretty much word of mouth. Like you gotta, I don't know. You'll have friends like, oh, I got introduced to you to oh, my my gay friend, my gay friend. So-and-so, but other than that, like, it's slim pickings, man. Like, I, I mean, I went on my grinder. I just got a new phone, and I downloaded Grinder, I guess, and just to see what was going on, because I'd never done it up in Whitehorse. And, like, <laughs> the nearest person to me was in Juneau, Alaska. <laughs> so for Americans, that's that's your state. <laughs> the closest person was in the U.S. I guess so. I'll just fucking hop on a ferry and go down to Alaska and... <laughs> meet prince charming um and like so where you're from is general it's a small town like the, what's the population like it's, uh, it's about twenty six thousand. so twenty six thousand people what are the the dynamics of like living there as the the lone ranger the gay ambassador of the yukon <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to take that complete status of gay ambassador of the yukon okay. there are other gay men up there but <laughs> I don't know. Lots of people, they just don't know about our culture and how how it is. Like, they've never met a gay person before. They never experienced one. Like, I don't know, they see stuff on TV and they picture you as some way, but I don't know. For me, it's never been a huge problem being gay in a small town. Like, I don't know, I think people know me, know who I am, and it's not a huge deal to them. They're usually pretty accepting. So what advice or, or words of wisdom would you give to someone uh, who is wanting to come out or is out in a small town? I don't know. I'd say, honestly, just just give it a little bit of time. Like, if there's any criticism towards you for, I don't know, coming out being who you are, I think you just have to give them some time to realize that it's not, you haven't changed, you're still the same person. Like, it's, I don't know. I think it's normal for people to be, a little bit standoffish at first they don't know what's going on especially in a small town they might not they might not know other gay people or have experienced it before and you know it's just a reaction it's not actually how they feel and um having moved uh back to a larger city do you think that that's uh beneficial to living as a gay man or is it hindering you in any way um i don't think it's a hindrance like Sometimes I think I just slow down. It's like I don't want to make up for too much lost time, but <laughs> I don't know. It's it's never been a hindrance to me. I think it's a good way to meet people, break the ice. Like lots of people down here have never met someone from the Yukon before. Is that like a pickup line you've got? You're like, well, I'm from. People no. can pull off a British accent, but you can be like, well, it's 24 hours of darkness where I'm. This from is right a Yukon accent. Right here. <laughs> um, it's pretty sultry if you haven't heard one before, but. <laughs> No, I, I I, just think it's a good way to break the ice and meet someone. Uh, thank you very much for being on our podcast. Uh, we appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Great, thanks very much, Matt.
Okay, so next on the podcast, I want to um, introduce Dean Nelson, and he is with uh, Gay Whistler, Whistler Pride. Um, and thank you so much for being a part of No Homo, our podcast. Well, thanks for having me here on the show. Um, so, Dean, first of all, I want I want you to tell us a bit about the event and what it's all about. Sure. Well, we're talking about Winter Pride, the evolution of Gay Ski Week here in Whistler. And it's basically eight days, 65 events. And um, when we took over Gay Ski Week, we really wanted it to be more inclusive. And so we've added in some culinary events, some health and wellness events, and some really great entertainment. Uh, this year, we actually have skeleton racing on the Whistler sliding track, the fastest track in the world. So there's there's something for everybody, uh, for the lesbians, for the bears, for the twinks, for the circuit queens, gym bunnies, snow bunnies. Everything. It's great. Every color of the rainbow goes, right? <laughs> it, it is. It's the full spectrum. It's pretty, pretty exciting. Absolutely. So can you tell us a bit about the history of the event? I mean, sort of how it came to be and, and how it began and sort of how it evolved into what it is today? Yeah, actually, it's, um, it really started in the early 90s. Uh, in 1990, Vancouver hosted the Gay Games, and that was a lot of... Um, the gay people across North America and the world, first time that they discovered Vancouver. And then in 92, Brent, uh, the original founder of Gay Ski Week, uh, decided that he wanted to work with his friends and, and show uh, off the mountain and, and give people a choice um, to come to Whistler instead of just going to Aspen as the only Gay Ski Week out there. So he started to create this really amazing ski event, and it's blossomed ever since. So it's, it's pretty exciting. That sounds great. That sounds amazing. And um, is it sort of um, a one-of-a-kind event? I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't heard of many winter pride events that exist out there. Yeah, we're we're pretty unique. Um, there are other gay ski weeks um, on the circuit, but we're definitely uh, the most lesbian friendly, and we offer programming that's pretty diverse, that's accessible to most people. So, it's it's great. We love it. Uh, we like to be a little bit different, and and our home mountain of Whistler, they're very accepting and and welcoming of all people. So it's great. So what's really exciting this year? is um, our civic government, uh, the resort municipality, is actually proclaiming February 5 to 12 Pride Week, which is the first time in the resort's history that they're making such a proclamation. And so this year, we're actually doing a Pride March. So any of you Trontonians that are sitting on the fence thinking about, should we go to Whistler or not, I really encourage you to come out. It's going to be uh, one of those milestones, which we're going to be very, very excited to share with everybody. That sounds fantastic. Um, yeah. You're making a very good argument. I'm like, oh, I need to start clearing my schedule. Hmm. Um, so obviously, you know, in terms of pride, pride is sort of synonymous with, you know, summer and no shirts, a lot of skin, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, yeah. What is, I mean, with winter pride, I mean, is it is it sort of, you know, does everyone have a great ski ensemble? I mean, what what makes this vastly different than than the usual you know, the, what we know of pride in its, in its usual form. Well, it's one, we're at a resort town. Mm -hmm. And so people are much more chilled and, and uh, we have a really huge 
mix of people. Like 40% of our clientele is coming from the U.S. 30% is coming from overseas, from Brazil and Australia and the U.K. and Germany and Belgium, um, Mexico. And then 30% of our clientele are Canadian. So you're meeting a lot of really interesting people from all over the world. And it's, it's, it's much more chill than Pride Week in Toronto, where it's, you know, you have this one weekend that's just really, really intense with a couple million people, and you're just like, party, 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 go, go, go. This is a week long where, you know, you're having casual cocktails after skiing, and you're, you're out there in the fresh air enjoying other people's company, and it's just... It, somehow it just becomes a little bit more social and just a little bit more laid back and and the pressure's off. It's just people are there just to have a good time and and not have an agenda, which is really great. I, I think it's it's very exciting. That does sound great. Wow, you're really making quite the argument for me <laughs> <laughs> to be there. Um, well, I think you have to come out, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Gosh. Um, so, you know, I'm sold. Um you know, if any of our listeners or, or if anyone was sort of sitting on the fence, what, what, what do you think, you know, why is this the event that they really have to attend? I mean, obviously in winter, I mean, we get the case, we get the case of the sads and, you know, everyone sort of wants to just stay inside and eat food and gain weight and, you know, grow facial hair, all that kind of stuff. So why, you know, why do we need to come to this event? Why do you think, um, what is the big drive for us to come to this special event? Well, besides all the great prizes that you could win, we also have Mr. Gay Canada that's going to be crowned during Winter Pride Week. So that's going to be exciting. And who doesn't love being in a hot tub with other gorgeous men or women, right? So we have great hot tub parties. You know, you're frolicking in the snow. It can cozy up next to a fireplace. It's just you know, so many people have met their life partners there. So if you're single and you're a little bit bitter, you come to Winter Pride and you might find somebody. We're, we're like the love boat of um, the mountains. It's, it's pretty exciting. Excellent. Well, listen, Dean, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if I'm not at Winter Pride this year, which I could possibly still be, I will definitely be there in 2013. And I, I really want to thank you um, for being a part of the podcast. So thanks for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. And if you need any more information, visit our website at gaywhistler.com. And we have some great travel specials still. Um, well, I'm Richard Lawson, and I write for the Atlantic Flyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm the senior writer doing, like, uh, arts and culture stuff, but mostly TV and movies. Okay. And as a TV viewer, how would you describe yourself? Um, certainly avid. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a very well-used DVR. Uh-huh. Um, but I, and I, I tend to have a, a pretty balanced mix between reality stuff and scripted stuff and sort of like trashy housewifey stuff and then, you know, like the Mad Men and the, the Breaking Bad, like the important shows. Right. Kind of what the ball. Right. Cool. Um, so what I was hoping uh, we could do today is talk about um, TV shows that you want to watch in 2012 because um, I'm a fan of your writing and I, I think you have really great TV taste. Um so what I propose is that we set up a sudden death situation where I give you two TV shows that I think satisfy the same need, and then you can, you can say which one people should be investing their time in because uh, there's a lot of TV to watch and not that many hours in the week. That's true, and that, that sounds like a good idea. Okay. 
Um, so we'll start off easy with um, the Real Housewives franchise. Uh, okay. Be- Beverly Hills is coming to a close. Atlanta is on right now. And I think um, Orange County and New York are to follow. Um, if you had to pick between all of the Beverly Hills or all of the Real Housewives franchise, which one would you commit to? Well, normally I would say Orange County because it's the first and sort of like, you know, that's the best in, in its originality. You're a purist. Um, but yeah, it's been on for like, what, like seven seasons now, so uh-huh. I'm a little tired. So I would actually say New York because they fired all those ladies like Kelly and um, Alex and Jill. Right. And they're bringing in new people. And what I've heard is that the new people are like, like actually like mega rich. Because so they're trying to model it more on the Beverly Hills thing where like, Right. That'll be really interesting. Right. Because that was sort of like the peg of that show in the beginning, right? Was how rich they were. Like things used to have price tags on them graphically in the beginning. Like they would say. Yeah, like, no, it, exactly. Yeah. And then it sort of became about everyone fighting. Right. <laughs> um, and, then, and then it also got revealed, especially with Orange County and I guess Atlanta, that like really none of these people had any money. Right. With the exception of, like, there's usually one on each iteration that actually is legit, and then everyone else is just, like, living in display houses and, you know, like, in arrest development or something. Right. Um, right. Um, so, uh, uh, there's a lot of great sitcoms to watch right now. I think two of, or maybe the most popular one seems to be uh, Modern Family. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite is Happy Endings, mm-hmm. uh, I think. Um, which um, Modern Family or Happy Endings? Which would you lay your money on? Um, well, I hate to betray your favorite, but I would have to say Modern Family. Okay. Um, <laughs> I like I like Happy Endings. Uh-huh. I think it gets a little bit like I don't know. It gets a little too snappy sometimes. You know, it, it's like and, uh, I, you know, uh, like it's it's emulating How I Met Your Mother in kind of a weird way with all these kind of like callbacky, yeah, you know, kind of things, and it's it's a little tiring to watch. Uh-huh. Whereas Modern Family is a little more middle of the road, and so, but it's still you know sharp and funny, but uh-huh. um, I think a little less like complicated or whatever. Yeah, and oh, maybe over maybe Happy Endings is overwritten, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it exactly. Um, okay, you, this this next one you might not care about at all, and I might okay. embarrass myself here, but um, Pretty Little Liars or the new Beverly Hills 90210, which I guess isn't that new at this point. Um, that's not embarrassing at all because I, well, don't steadily watch either of them. I certainly have seen my fair share. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I would say pre-gay Teddy leaving Nars 10, Nars 10 would be the way to go. Uh-huh. Since he's disappeared to wherever, to, you know, the gay island where all gay characters go when they get written off the show. Yeah. Um, Pretty Little Liars. Although that show is so... Like, talk about a complicated show, and I know it sounds dumb to say that about something on the HQ family, but (laughs) it is, like, I I had missed a couple episodes from last season, and I tuned in for the season premiere, like, last week or whatever, Uh and I just, it was like, you know, it was like reading the last few pages of, like, the Da Vinci Code, and you were like, (laughs) what what is this even about? (laughs) But but then by the end of the episode, you're like, oh, it's still the same, like, you're still being tormented by A, you still don't know who she is, or he is, Uh and we're just going to go along like that, so... Yeah, yeah. I can't really explain even why I like why I like it or what I think is good about it. 
but um, I just yeah. keep watching. Um, well, one confusing thing about that show is that, like, everyone sort of looks the same. Yes. Like, I, I was t- talking to a friend, and I was like, I think they just have, like, a warehouse full of, like, brown-haired girls who sort of look like a meerkat or, like, like gamers. And then they're just like, all right, get another one. We need someone for the show. So they, and they put, like, four of them on. Uh-huh. It's a little confusing. Yeah, they all have a lot. There's a lot of hair. Yeah, there's a lot of big eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're models, basically. Some casting director over there has a very specific type. I have a theory about um, the casting director of that show and the men <laughs> that end up on it. Um, oh, yeah. Because they're all seemingly very gay and, <laughs> and, like, and cute, but like not at all appropriate for the parts they're playing. And so I think there's some serious casting couch. Well, I could at least confirm <laughs> that the guy who plays the teacher is is a red-blooded heterosexual American male. Oh. Um, he went to school with a friend of mine. But the rest of them I can't speak to. <laughs> All right. Mr. Fitz. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he is cute. He's very pretty. Um, okay, in terms of... Um, uh, reality competitions will you mm-hmm. will you be watching top chef or project runway all-stars um well i'm currently watching both uh-huh. um but i think top chef is like one of those rare shows that i think has remained like pretty much consistently great since it started yeah where it's Project runway when it switched i don't know what networks have done up there but um when it switched from bravo to lifetime it um and, and the magical elves left it, it kind of lost a little bit of yeah. sparkle. And especially this all-star season, which doesn't have Heidi Klum, uh-huh. doesn't have Tim Gunn, doesn't have Nina, doesn't have Michael Kors. And it just feels a little like low rent. You know, it's, it's starting to feel like late season top model. Yeah. <laughs> they filmed it in someone's basement over a long weekend. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, go. Like, we'll just, we're going to pretend you're, you went to sleep and then it's a new day, but it's, you know, it's really just two hours later that that feels. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. I, but it's still entertaining. Yeah, I think that's right on. Um, it is. It seems weird that the All-Stars would have the budget. Um, no, exactly. I mean, I guess they got, like, Mizrahi, which is, like, a good guess. But now she seems willing to do anything, so I don't know. I, I wish they'd had, like, some big, like, celebrity host and, and got really all out. Yeah. Yeah, like, to me, Isaac, I like Isaac Mizrahi, but I think he, like, it might as well be Philip Block. Yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> not to be mean to Philip Block, but no, we'll never. <laughs> um okay, and then um when uh this is what I think in the category that you referred to earlier as important shows, um will would you pick uh Downton Abbey or Mad Men? Well, um I would probably based on the first season I would almost say Downton just because it's so fun and like it's not as depressing as Mad Men, but yeah. having seen the bulk of the second season somewhat illegally on computer, yeah. um, I would definitely say Mad Men. Yeah. I mean, Downton is still good, but it's not first season good. And Mad Men has, has been away for, what, like two years almost? So yeah. I'm, like, eager for that, ready to see how, mostly I'm just curious to see how old Kieran and Chip has gotten. You know, like the, the girl who plays Sally Draper? Y- yeah. <laughs> turns into this little fashionista, so I look... I'm just, like, curious about what, she, what, what age they're going to have her be on the show. Because if she's, like, starting to be, like, a real teenager in the 60s, that's going to be fascinating. That would be awesome. She, she could... Like, live in New York and, like, I don't know, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, she could be, like, um, 
Like, do you remember the sister on Wonder Years? Yes, Olivia <laughs> <laughs> She could have all... I forget what the character's name was, but yeah. <laughs> you know that actress's name. <laughs> I, well, I, would like, cause I, I, I thought she was such an interesting character on that show, so I was like, I just knew about her. Yeah, no, I was fascinated with her. Do you remember the episode when she takes Kevin to, like, that, like, hippie pond with all her friends? Oh, my God, that's such a good one. <laughs> I was so, um, I was so jealous of him. You know what, screw all that. I'm not watching anything else this year. I'm just going to watch Wonder Years. <laughs> or, or, actually, it doesn't even exist on DVD, so I'll have to watch it on rerun. Yeah, that's, and they'll never release it on DVD because of the music rights, apparently. Yeah, well, if they, and if they did release it, which they've considered, it would be, like... Like weird, non-expensive music, which I think would be what would be the point? Right when they they repackage it with different music, yeah, which would suck. Um, and oh, th- this is the last one: is uh, Smash or Glee? Um, definitely, definitely Smash. Um, Glee, I've gotten really tired with. I think it's sort of done what it needed to do and doesn't really have a purpose anymore. Yeah, it's just um, redoing it. And. I've seen the pilot of Smash, and it's good. Oh, awesome. It's, like, way more about theater, obviously, than yeah. Bingley is, which I think will probably be a tough sell to people, but if enough people get into it, I think it's going to be good. Thanks a lot, Richard. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, and, um, and you know, good luck with the podcast. So that has been No Homo's Take on Winter. Uh, thanks for listening. I, we would like to thank Richard Lawson and Dean Nelson and Matt from the Yukon for giving us your time. And uh, if you'd like to contact us, you can get a hold of us, Adam. Uh, yeah, you can tweet uh, at NH Podcast. Um, you can email us, nohomopodcast at gmail.com, or you could check out our Tumblr, um, the No Homo Podcast. .tumblr.com. Remember, it's the do not just write no homo. Those are the bros. <laughs> We're horrible. <laughs> uh, so, n- next podcast, I'm actually really interested or really excited about this one. Um, we're going to devote the entire podcast to drag. Uh, drag Race Season 4 is premiering on Logo at the end of January. Um, we're all big fans of Drag Race, the TV show, and we thought we would take this opportunity to further explore drag and uh, some of its performers and um, some of the politics. So we're really excited to to do that and uh, that'll be up at the end of January. So thanks so much for listening.